How's it South Africa and thanks for listening to Farmers Inside Track, the country's most downloaded farmers podcast. Welcome to episode 235. I'm your host Donumdu. In this edition we welcome back Dr. Sifison Tombella, Chief Economist at the National Agricultural Marketing Council and the Deputy President of the Agricultural Economics Association of South Africa. Now a few weeks ago Dr. Tombella joined us to focus on the key objectives of the Agricultural Agro-Processing Master Plan and the progress made to date. This time around, we talk more about the implementation plans per commodity and its progress projections for 2023. Um, welcome back to Farmers Inside Track, Dr. Sufiso Ntombela. It's an absolute pleasure to have you with me once again. The first part of this was of course giving people an understanding of what the agro-processing master plan is all about, some of the progress that we've made in terms of it and also who this plan will benefit and also the representative bodies part of this holistic plan that is there to see growth within the sector. This time around we specifically want to talk about, you know, do a bit of a deep dive in terms of the different commodities. So thank you so much for for joining us again, Dr. Dubella. Thank you so much and for inviting me again. Thank you so much. Now, as I mentioned, you know, this part of our episode, our podcast episode, we wanted to talk about, you know, some of the research, the deep dives in terms of the research and data analysis that you did across, as I understand it, 17 different commodities. Can you maybe give us more details on these commodities, Dr. Ndombela? The commodities that we mainly focus on cut across the grains, the oilseed, fruits, nuts, vegetables, red meat and white meat. Area. So they've covered the entire basket of our food. But we thought we need to focus on the commodities that give a balance between continuing to drive our export earnings, as we know that we, um, we very much now are an export-driven sector, but at the same time ensuring that the food security in the country is prioritized. So within the grains will obviously be commodities like wheat, maize, soya bean, sunflower, cotton and sugar cane, including sugar. In the red meat would be typically your beef, your your sheep and goat, going to the white meat, your poultry, your pork. We also covered some of the industrial crops like cannabis and the cotton. In the fiber space, your wool and mohair. And also the most of our export, high export earners like your deciduous fruit, your citrus, subtropical like avocados, and your pecanuts and macadamia. So that's just amongst the commodities that we have looked at. There are also niche commodities that are coming up which present new opportunities for farmers as well as the exporters like your berries, blueberries, which we also looked at them. And I mentioned the issue also of the cannabis as one of the new exciting opportunities that we've looked at also in the master plan. So over and above the agriculture across master plan, it's important to farmers that it also interlinks with what we've already agreed under the poultry master plan, under the sugar master plan, and recently the cannabis master plan. Thank you so much for that overview, Dr. Ntomela. And maybe in the interest of time, if you can just give us an overview of the progress made in specifically maybe the top three commodities. I would love to talk more about those niche commodities added because, I mean, we've had numerous discussions on both blueberries and cannabis as trending, you know, and people want to know more about that. Maybe if you can just list some of the top three commodities that this plan is focused on, specifically those that are for the export market. If you look at commodities like citrus, which is one of the biggest export commodities in the country at the moment, 
the issues around better access conditions to international markets, you might have had the challenges the Citrus is facing in the Europe and the subsequent mechanisms that have been put in place to deal with those access conditions. Are one of the areas that we were dealing with to unlock that bottleneck. But also, how do you align the farmers as we constantly say we're driving inclusive growth? So how do you align the farmers that are having limited access to land so that they can expand their growth um, and improve competitiveness as well as partnership between the emerging as well as the established farmers in the sector? So part of that is also dealing with the expansion of irrigation facilities, as we know that the, most of the food, not only just citrus, table grapes, apples and pears, nectarines and all others, they rely very much on irrigation. So investment on the irrigations, such as the Pranflay in the Western Cape and the Falahart in the northern part of the country, are all the elements that really looks at how to drive the growth of that sector. If we jump quickly, maybe to go to industries like in the red meat, the biggest part of it is around the animal disease control so that we can regain our free disease status. Whether you're looking at the foot and mouth disease in the, in, in, in the red meat, or you're looking at the avian influenza in the poultry, or you're looking at the African swine fever in the pork. So really in strengthening our biosecurity is part and parcel of ensuring that you unlock growth in the red meat space. But also the infrastructure in the rural areas is part of the dipping tanks and water dams so that you are able to upscale the production and the quality of our meat are some of the deep dives that we have done in the red meat space. If I look at the grains, mostly importantly on the grains, is how do you improve the cultivars and their resistance to the changing climate into some of the plant diseases that we see uh, and pests that we see now becoming a challenge in our crops. But also increasing the, the country's capacity to also be able to build and blend some of the fertilizers. As we know, if you're looking at the grain industry, one of the biggest cost items is the fertilizer. And that also talks into the cultivar breeding program and how do you ensure that you partner with the international players in that. Part of this is the regulatory work on H36, which we can improve the capacity of registration of the technologies and the chemicals that are required to produce safe and nutritious products in the agriculture space. So those are just some at a very high level, but just zooming in in the different commodities within the, the three subsectors that we have looked at, which we're hoping really will be able to upscale those sectors. Because if it's done properly, it has a potential of increasing over and above the baseline, adding another 50 billion rand in agricultural GDP over the next eight years, which is something that we hopefully would can be able to achieve, which will unlock closer to 100,000 new jobs over and above the 865 jobs that we currently have in the farming space. So there are huge potential and different partners are gearing up into implementing these interventions of the master plan. Thank you so much for that overview, Dr. Ndambela. I know that there are various aspects to the master plan, and one specific is also set to address or combat climate change and the dire impact it has and continues to have on food security. Maybe you can just talk about how the plan is also addressing this aspect. Climate change is one of the areas that it's looking at, definitely. But if you can just break down climate changes, also including weather variability, which is the short-term changes on weather and intensity, that tends to have impact on it. Of how do you create some of the safe nets 
for short-term losses on climate. So one of the key things in terms of cushioning the farmers against the effects of the climate change is really how do you improve the, the support to farmers on disaster management. And I think the, the announcement, if I can repeat it again, of that fund that has been declared by the Minister of Finance will really goes in length in designing now a disaster fund that is agricultural related. Above that, there are discussion of how can the government comes on board with the industries in creating an affordable crop and animal insurance, which will then safeguard farmers against the adverse of the climate change. In terms of the adaptability going forward is the issue of improving the adaptation. How do you breed the new cultivars that are climate resistant in terms of drought, but also that can be able to sustain in some of the floods and other harsher and changing weather patterns that we've seen recently. There are discussion also at high level over and above just the crop breeding as well as increasing awareness amongst the farmers of also how do you deal with the land care through the land that has been either through erosion and soil correction and particularly going into the areas that in the rural areas where we have seen a lot of soil erosion damaging our soils. So that comprehensive natural resource management strategy is really part of the climate change adaptation and mitigation policy. For export-oriented commodities where international consumers are very much interested in knowing what is the carbon emission embedded in our product that we produce, there are uh, industries that such as in the fruit industry which are really piloting and being the champions of that green evolution in the agricultural sector where they are now monitoring the amount of carbon that is embedded in each fruit that we produce and export into the international market. And these are some of the innovative ideas that will be upscaled to other industries and ensuring that we reduce the emission produced in the agri sector. So basically covering both the adaptation as well as the mitigation part within the agricultural sector. Thanks to you so much, Dr. Ndombella. I'm really, you know, really excited to be able to have probably another conversation with you in the next few months to review these points that you're making and also just look at where we're at as a country and as an industry six, seven, eight months down the line. Maybe we can just focus for a moment on, you know, which part of the plan is specifically focused on women and children and other vulnerable minority groups and how you are assisting, you know, them in their development, accessing land, accessing finance, but also issues around labor and gender-based violence, perhaps. That is one of the key things throughout the development process that the minister did is I've always told the industry that when we speak of inclusivity, it's not only just on color between the white and the black persons in the agricultural sector, but also is the inclusion of the vulnerable groups, which are women, people living with disabilities, people living in vulnerable areas like in the farms, and also the youth. It cut across if you're looking at the land policy that has been reviewed in the last 24 months, it specifically stated that all new lands that will be transferred, minimum 50% of that must be women and youth must be also the priority group and people living with disabilities. And I'm happy to say, if you're looking at the 700,000 hectares that means that it is I have reallocated in the past 24 months, indeed more than 50% of that has been transferred into the deserving women beneficiaries. If you look even in the procurement process of the of goods and services in the department, as well as in the in the SOCs reporting to the department, the focus has been much on the women to the large extent that in the president they've launched the womb as part of the women empowerment program in the country. Agriculture has been one of the elevated sectors that is driving the women participation in the sector. 
And this cut across not only just on farms, but also on processing and across the different areas. So you will see even the plan and finance scheme, part of the eligibility criteria, it prioritizes women, youth, and people living with disabilities. These are certain things that we strongly believe if it's captured properly on policies, it locks industries, it locks government, it locks every social partner to ensure that prioritizing challenges faced by women, youth, and people living with disabilities is not just an option, but it is part of the strive to make the sector a sustainable and a prosperous one. It is not only just about inclusion, as you rightfully said, Dwayne, also the issue of labor and how do we make sure that farm workers and farmers themselves as well are safe and the working conditions is aligned with the labor laws of the country. So there's, with working with our colleagues in the labor formation, they've made it very clear that the inspectors by government, the labor inspectors, need to be increased their capacity so that you ensure every player within the sector is compliant with our labor laws. And the safety of our farm workers are transported safely. And some of the conditions, including that our farm workers do not work under the harsh conditions such as heat wave, as we've seen some of the unfortunate cases in the Northern Cape in recent months. And so all those things are ongoing work that we are trying to solve and make sure that the sector is not only growing in terms of value, but it's also catering and instilling the ethical trading within the agricultural sector in its entirety. Thank you so much for that overview, Dr. Ndomela. Last few points in terms of just like outlook for the new year and also in terms of, you know, the progress that you hope to make within the next few months. We're in the first few months of the new year. So maybe just outlooks and this plan and progress moving forward. Thank you so much. The agriculture sector has been one of the best performing since 2020. And we hope even though it might slow down as we recalibrate our growth and trace the long-term baseline, we believe that there are still a lot of opportunities that will can be impacted to increase the sector. So issues of labor and transformation are at the top agenda of the agriculture sector. Um, you will see a lot of progress and reported on the increasing our export market and negotiating better trading conditions and protocols with our trading partners. You will see a lot of progress around the, the issues of our farmer support and increasing the funding for the farmers and agro-processors. You will see a lot of work around revitalization and repurposing of our infrastructure program, program ranging from your fresh produce markets the rural infrastructure, the roads, port facilities, and also assisting our farmers on generating alternative energy use so they can be cushioned against the unreliable energy sources from ESCO. So these are some of the areas that you will be seeing going forward. More importantly, you'll be seeing a lot of this work being done in collaboration between the private sector and, and government so that you also reduce some of the duplications where government is running a program without necessarily the knowledge or the support of private sector or private sector running a program without the knowledge and support of government. What that will do, it will ensure that you gain more impact from the limited resources that you have, but also you bring in confidence and ensure that the systems and the program you create are sustainable and they're talking to the challenges of the farmers on the ground. So we're hoping that will really be the target that we want to achieve this year. And to the farmers, as my last point, is that we encourage every farmer to be participating in the production schemes, as well as the Verichain Roundtables, which will be establishing across the country, and also through their leaders and representatives participating in the Master Plan Executive Committee will be chaired by the Minister on quarterly basis, which will be providing progress and unlocking some of the challenges you might be facing in the implementation across the different commodities. 
It's always a pleasure talking to you, Dr. Safiso Ntombela, Chief Economist at the National Agricultural Marketing Council and the Deputy President of the Agricultural Economics Association of South Africa. And that brings us to the end of this insightful edition. You can, of course, read more on this topic on www.foodformzanzi.co.za. From me, Don Numdu, our technical producer, Megan van der Fendt, and the rest of the hashtag Team Food from Zanzi, thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans, though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.